Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you and be here with you as we worship the one and only living God together. And it's a great weekend to celebrate. This is Labor Day weekend, and I hope you had a chance to take some time off to rest, recreate over this uh, extended weekend. So I don't know if all of you know the history behind this weekend. Uh, Labor Day was established as a national holiday to honor American workers and the labor unions. But over time, it's come to be known much more than that. It's backyard barbecues. It's three-day shopping sprees and also, for sure, the end of summer. Now, can I ask if there are any parents here of elementary age students, kids? Uh, There's a few. So you all know this is a time of year where it's back to school. Now, I can remember uh, when my kids were going to go back to school. Can I have an amen? (laughs) Now, call me a terrible dad, but I couldn't wait for my my kids to go back to school. Because, you know, you know, at the beginning of summer vacation back in June, the kids can't wait for school to end. Because that means there's no more homework, no more getting up early in the morning to get to school. And that's kind of fun. But, you know, two months into summer vacation, my kids would start complaining and say, I'm so bored. And that would drive me nuts. And on the first day of school, I remember, you know, when you drop off your kids in elementary school, and you would see all the um, new parents, the kindergartners, and they're just crying and there's hugging and as they're saying goodbye as they're dropping off their kids to, to school. And now you contrast that, that image with the more veteran parents. We would drop off our kids, wave goodbye, and then out of earshot, we would say, freedom! <laughs> And we will run back to our cars as quickly as we can without looking back. So those, those were the good days. Now, I have to confess, when I was a student, I actually looked forward to school starting up in the fall because it was a fresh new beginning where there's a new clean slate, especially if the past year wasn't as good. Well, we are in a current series called Moving Forward, and last week, Pastor Eric talked about moving forward in remembrance. And today, we are going to look at moving forward in obedience in this new season for Christian Layman Church. As some of you know, we are preparing for the anticipated move to the new property located in Oakland. And the principles we are learning together in this series are going to be applicable not just for this move, but also in our daily lives and other practical ways and contexts. Now, recently, I asked this I was asked this question by one of our members about the pending purchase of this property. And the question was, Pastor Calvin, are you excited about this move? Well, as I thought about this, for sure, there is going to be some excitement, and there has been excitement. But honestly speaking, I told this this person, I'm actually going to be relieved when we close the deal. Now, why? Why did I say that? Well, we've been searching for a new home for almost 30 years now. And being, being here was only supposed to be temporary. Now, not quite the same as, as the Israelites being in the desert for 40 years, 
but it's pretty close. Well, also in my almost four decades here at Christian Layman, I've been involved in all kinds of transitions and changes. And I've come to understand transition is simply a normal part of living. And we all know change is hard, and it takes its toll. And for this series, we are in the book of Joshua. And a side note, Joshua happens to be one of my favorite persons in the Bible. That's why I named my son after him. In another leadership transition back in the year 2000, a verse from Joshua 1 was given to me by our prayer intercessors as I was being prepared to be the interim lead for the church. Joshua 1 verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now these words... This promise were given to Joshua by God as he was being installed as the leader of the Israelites after Moses' death. And this verse seems to imply that obeying God leads to success. Maybe not materially, but for sure spiritually. Now last week, Pastor Eric mentioned that due to the Israelites' disobedience under Moses, God had cursed the older generation to wander in the desert for 40 years until they all died off. Now Moses was not allowed by God to step into the promised land. It was Joshua's given task to lead the next generation to the promised land. And when Joshua was an old man in chapter 23, he prepared the people for again the pending leadership change, using the same instructions he was given from God in Joshua 1. So for today's main text, if you can, you can turn with me to Joshua 23, verses 6 to 8, and I will read them for you now. Be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have unto now. And that is the word of the Lord. So let me pray for us before we get into this passage. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us follow your ways and not our ways. Let us trust in your faithfulness that is throughout the generations. Help us hear and see what you want us to know. Bless us, transform us with your living word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Amen. Now, uh, in these verses, Joshua was now a very old man. As a good leader, he was preparing the people to move on in obedience to God's plan for them with Joshua when Joshua was gone. In spite of the many inevitable changes ahead for them, the people were told to move forward in obedience. For God, obedience is very important and vital. Obeying God will place us in right relationship with him. And it doesn't mean prosperity or success in an earthly sense, but our obedience will lead to experiencing true wholeness and peace from God as we live in this broken world. For many of us, the word obedience has a lot of baggage especially in American culture of individualism and 
personal freedom. To follow, to obey someone's instruction or command often requires some conditions to exist. From this passage, I can see three things that help us to obey others, whether to obey God or other people. And to move forward in obedience, the first condition, which I believe is probably the most important and primary condition, is trust. Trust is not easily given. Usually it must be earned. Um, We had a conversation recently during our weekly staff devotion time. It was about trust and trusting God. And we learned that each one of us had a different threshold for trusting other people. Now, those of us who who trust easily realize they can be taken advantage of by other people. And those like me who are more cautious in trusting people can be perceived as cold and impersonal. Ideally, true obedience comes not under duress, obligation, exploitation, or force. Instead, it comes freely given and willingly. And usually this requires trusting that person who is asking us to obey or to follow their commands. For some of us, this means becoming very vulnerable to trust someone else, to give up control and asking and actually risking getting hurt in the process if they fail us. That is why Joshua 23 verse 6 says, be very strong, not just strong, very strong. To trust takes courage and strength to overcome our fears and anxieties, especially when we are vulnerable. We trust often on a daily basis without even thinking about it. We obey certain people without thinking twice, like obeying airline pilots. When they turn on that seatbelt sign, when we fly, trusting that they will get us safely to our destinations. Or obeying doctors when they tell us we need surgeries, trusting that they know how to treat us and they won't harm us. Even obeying God is connected to how well we trust him or not. Last week, Pastor Eric told us that God's story must intertwine with our stories. That's how we can grow closer to God. The more connected we are with him, we will know more intimately God, and our trust in him will grow stronger. Our trust in God is based on his character and his track record. And usually our personal experience with that is the most important. Remembrance of his faithfulness to us, to others, to the generations throughout history strengthens our trust. And that's what we celebrated back in July at Christian Layman's 100th anniversary year celebration event. In our passage from Joshua 23, Joshua did exactly that when he reminded the Israelites of God's faithfulness in their journey. Their stories were intertwined with God's story. And by repeating these words found in Joshua 23, 6, verse 6 says, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. And if you recall, Joshua had said these, was given these words back in chapter 1 of Joshua when he was being commissioned. The people remember this 
And they remember what they endured over that time since and remembered God's faithfulness and how he did not abandon them even in the midst of crisis and chaos. As long as they obeyed him and didn't wander to the left or to the right. In their darkest hours, God was with them. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 23, it is not if I walk, but when I walk in the shadow of death, you, God, will comfort me. And in my own personal story, in my darkest moments, God was present and faithful to me through those times in ways more than I could ever ask for or imagine. Earlier, um, I mentioned that I will be relieved when we actually close on this property. You know, due to my role here at Christian Layman, I am privy to things we don't always share with the congregation um, because it's no need to, to get you all unnecessarily anxious or worried. That's why you uh, have the staff and the board of directors. That's why we... I guess we get paid the big bucks to do that. <laughs> but any, any great thing God wants us to do for him, there will be hiccups and bumps in a road that will need to be overcome that show his power and not ours. Now, thankfully, we have very capable, competent members who have gifts and talents and experiences that get us through most of these bumps. But there is inevitably will be problems that are the size of Mount Everest. But this is where trust in God comes into play. Where to get through that obstacle, it will definitely take a God thing. God often reminds us, in our weakness, he is strong. Uh, With this uh, purchase, we had an issue come up back in July with the Franchise Tax Board that could have jeopardized the purchase of this property. Uh, we apparently did not know this until we were informed by the seller when they were checking our background and checking our, our finances for the sale. And due to not updating our address with the state of California when we moved our offices years back, our nonprofit status was suspended for the past four years. And we didn't know that. Our professional people helping with this transaction told me that the Franchise Tax Board would take six months to clear this up, which would likely be a deal breaker with the seller. Now, there aren't too many things that I get anxious or worried about, especially when we have very capable people. But when our capable people are worried and concerned, that's when I worry. And usually when I get anxious over something, I turn to God because it's out of my control. It's out of my hands. And in my prayer time, God reminded me that I had a friend who worked for the Franchise Tax Board. So obeying God's prompting, I contacted my friend. And even he said this, that this was kind of out of his jurisdiction to clean up. But he said he'll try to connect us with someone who might be able to help us. So after that conversation, the next day, I get a call from the Franchise Tax Board. The agent on the other end said she had talked to my friend and immediately assigned our case to her staff and that the suspension will be cleaned up really quickly. 
You know, when I heard that, my heart leapt for joy. We have a big God, and he is good. Something that was going to take six months to clear up took less than a week. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. If we are willing to trust in God, he will make our path straight when we hit roadblocks in life like we had with the franchise tax board. After trust, the next condition, the condition that helps us to move forward in, in obedience, it's something called self-denial. Self-denial is not a foreign concept to many of us. For those of us who have grown up in the Asian culture, we learn quickly as children to deny ourselves in deference to our elders. As parents, we also do this for our kids, which is totally in tension with American culture, which often tells us to have it your way. From a Christian perspective, this is a sin to be self-centered, to treat ourselves as an idol. Our Christian faith calls us to act differently, to not worship idols, which is especially hard to not do if that idol is us. Instead, we are to only worship God. And Joshua reminded the people to not worship idols. In Joshua 23, verse 7, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. And likewise, Jesus told his disciples, you cannot serve two masters. Our staff is um, currently reading together a book, uh, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. I thank uh, Stephen for recommending that book for us. Um, Dallas Willard says this, that self-denial is a necessary part of our spiritual formation. Another way to say self-denial is like Dying to self, or in the words of Jesus, those who have lost their life for my sake shall find it. Willard writes, Christian spiritual transformation rests on this indispensable foundation of death to self and cannot proceed except insofar as that foundation is being firmly laid and sustained. I know it's really long sentence and kind of deep, but it's profound. And it's right on that spiritual transformation can't happen unless there's a foundation of denying oneself. To look beyond ourselves, in some ways looking to others, and especially looking at God. So how is obedience connected to self-denial? Well, logically, for us to obey someone else, we give up insisting on our way and our rights. We deny ourselves and let someone else have their way. Now, a lot of you know that I love to go fishing. And uh, one of my friends here said, yeah, Calvin, you're known as the fisherman pastor. So I don't know if that's a good thing, but um, 
of course, I'm going to tell more stories about fishing. Because last weekend, I did go fishing with a bunch of guys here, and we go tuna fishing. And I think I have a picture. Oh, there it is. There's, that's a picture of uh, one of our past trips, and you can kind of see the group of guys I go with. Some of them you may recognize here, and some of you may not. They're actually down in Southern California. And, and we've been doing this for eight years now, and we've had some epic trips where we catch a crazy amount of fish. And uh, I know some of you know that because a lot of you get to eat them when we, when we come back. And to catch tuna, the, the tuna race us around the boat when they're on our lines. And it's kind of crazy when that happens. And at that time, when we have tuna biting, we cannot be selfish and think about ourselves only. Self-denial applies. It requires us to cooperate and often to sacrifice for each other so that we don't get into each other's way following our fish around the boat. It means even taking our lines out of the water for someone else so that they can chase their fish and we don't cause our lines to tangle. But when we do that, we have to be willing to sacrifice our chance to catch fish for someone else to catch fish. And, and as it happens to be our group, we're all Christians, so we're all followers of Jesus Christ, so a lot of times uh, it helps to have that kind of servant attitude. And our witness to other people is powerful. Uh, the boat crew often tell us that they appreciate how we are very respectful and obedient to their instructions. Not often the case with other fishing parties that they encounter. One fr- friend uh, on this last trip, and it was his first, first time fishing with us in Fortuna, was surprised at how much the crew actually barked and yelled at us with commands and orders. And, and he felt like he, um, the crew was really upset and angry at us. And I told him, no, they, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to do. Because in the midst of the chaos, when fish are hooked up, they know from experience what we have to do. And, and the more we obey them, we will have less trouble and be more successful as a group catching fish. So likewise, to truly obey God for life to go spiritually well and keep us out of trouble, even when it feels like God is yelling at us, it means to submit to him. And for sure, Jesus demonstrated this to his heavenly father. Self-denial is connected to submission. And as God's people, we are called to mutually submit to each other as we submit to our living God. A few years ago, I was uh, able to visit Israel and Jordan and the Holy Land. And if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. It's kind of a life-changing experience for me to walk where Jesus walked. Um, One of our stops was at the Garden of Gethsemane, and I believe we have a picture of that. Yes. So that green patch there is the Garden of Gethsemane, and it I'm viewing it right now from it from the Mount of Olives, which is on um, one side, 
the garden is in the valley below, and then behind the garden is the Temple Mount. It's a very memor- mem- uh, powerful memory for me to be standing there looking at this garden. And I, I recall there were only two times that I weeped or cried. And when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane, I, I actually cried just re- being reminded of what happened there and what Jesus did for us. Now, in that garden, there are olive trees. Coincidentally, the name Gethsemane is made up of two Hebrew Aramaic words that mean olive press. And in that garden is an olive press where olives were squeezed under extreme pressure to release olive oil. So people of God who understand Hebrew, they would make the connection to the place named the olive press to what Jesus experienced when he agonizingly prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, shortly before he was arrested. When God's mission was revealed to Jesus in the Garden, Jesus struggled and was feeling squeezed under tremendous pressure of what he was called to do for mankind, to become sin itself and to die on the cross as a ransom for our sins. Jesus agonized as he prayed, and the scripture says in Luke, he sweated blood under the burden and pressure he was to carry on on our behalf. But ultimately, Jesus obeyed. Jesus submitted to the will of God. He let go of his way to defer to God's way. Luke 22, verse 42 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will. Yours be done. So a question for all of us here. So how has God called you to self-denial? Not your will, but God's will be done. To um, practically illustrate self-denial for us here, just to help us understand this concept, I have two examples. And for those of us who are married, we learn to apply self-denial very quickly for our marriages to be healthy. Now, nowadays, everything's pretty much gone digital. But back in the day, we actually had newspapers delivered to our house. And my wife, Terry, she loves to read the comic section. And, and ever so often, she would clip some out to save. And sometimes she pins them on a refrigerator specifically for me to see. Because <laughs> it probably applied to our relationship. And so here I, I, have a, I have a comic strip that she, she uh, shared with me one time. And it demonstrates the concept of self-denial. And I'm not sure if you can see it, but I'm going to read it to you. In the, this is a conversation between a husband and a wife. And um, in the first frame, the wife says, I love Roscoe, but let's face it. And Roscoe's the dog. Um, but let's face it, he's been hard on the carpet. And then she continues in the next frame. That's why I want to wait until he goes to doggy heaven before we buy new ones. And and next frame, she says, I guess that sounds a little heartless, doesn't it? Now, I don't know if I have the guts of this husband as he replies, not really. I'm waiting for you to cash in your chips before I buy my sports car. (laughs) 
Now, funny as that may seem, this was not too far from the truth in my own marriage. When Terry and I first got married, uh, we made a wish list for furnishing our home. Terry's really administratively organized like that, so she puts a priority list. And so we, one of our actually premarital counseling sessions, we were told make a list, and then you can compare the list, and then you can then uh, negotiate what becomes first and what comes last. Well, my wife, she's very practical. She said, we need bedroom furniture, we need living room furniture, we need a washer, dryer, you know, practical things. On the top of my list was a big screen TV. In the end, I denied myself and let her have her way because happy wife, happy life. Now, a second example of self-denial coming to play is with the church property we are trying to purchase. We have to be careful that we are not obsessed with a physical building and to understand that the property is not for us alone. We must continue to remember our God-given mission as a church to bring people to meet Jesus. And the building is just part of that plan for now. So last but not least, moving forward in obedience requires love. The best reason to obey is out of love. Um, This year has been a difficult one for many of us um, because uh, a lot of a lot of you, um, my wife Terry, uh, have been losing uh, their parents. And just this past week, one of her members um, lost their mother. Now, both of my parents are gone now, but every time. One of you loses your parents, it brings back memories of my parents passing. And, and we all grieve and mourn together. And, um, you know, the grieving never really ends, saying from personal experience. It just changes and becomes different. In the last weeks for my father, when he was ill in the hospital... He asked me to do something for him that was the most humbling thing I have ever done. Now, you have to realize, uh, coming from an Asian culture, I'm the firstborn male carrying the namesake of the family. And generally, I have to admit, I was treated in a special way by my family, by the extended family, by my cousins, etc., Um, but my father asked me to do something that was very uncomfortable for me. My dad asked me to clean him after he had a bowel movement. It was awkward and very challenging because my father was my hero. But to see him in that state and to treat him like a little baby, it, it just broke my heart. Even though it was awkward and uncomfortable for me, I obeyed, I obeyed him out of love for my, for my father. And, and from our passage in Joshua 23, you are probably wondering, how do I get this idea that obedience is connected to love? Well, Joshua 23, verse 8 says this, But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have unto now. So what does it mean to hold fast? 
to hold tightly. You know, generally we hold fast to things that we find uh, are very precious. Things that really matter to us, we will cling to and we will grab onto and hold fast to. Well, this image came to me as I was thinking about this concept of holding fast. When I was a child in the hospital, because uh, I was often sick when I was little, I remember my dad at my bedside holding my hand. It made me feel safe and secure in a very strange and scary place. And when, clo- when crossing the street with my mother as a child, she held my hands securely so I would not get run over by the cars. Because my mom and dad loved me, they held fast to me. And likewise, I held fast to my parents. God often tells us to do things that we don't like to do. But hopefully we can obey, and we obey because we do this out of love. And as we obey, he promises not to abandon us as we hold fast to God. Like Jesus instructed, John 14, verse 15 and 21, Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Here Jesus says, to obey him is to love him. And he loves us when we obey his commands. And he promises he will show himself to us and never abandon us. God loves us so much that he honors the dignity of each person he has created. And this is kind of the thing that a lot of people don't really understand. God is not a puppet master. God gives us free will to make our own choices. He loves us so much that he doesn't force anything upon us. And even if that choice will be against him. There will be consequences for sure for our choices. And some will have eternal ramifications. But we are given the dignity to choose what we want to choose. To do what we want to do. Because God loves us and honors our dignity. Now, I I want to take a moment before I close to speak to some of you here and listening, maybe online. It's related to a choice God gives lovingly to everyone. Some of you have not made that decision to follow Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life can be had. Mortality can be cured. So please make that choice to believe, which is ultimately more than just head knowledge, but translates to obedience to God's commands in our actions. So if you are interested in any way or curious about what it means to follow Jesus, I'm happy to talk to you. Just contact me. So moving forward with God, obedience is not optional. Rather, it's a God-given free will choice. As we, meet, as we move forward, it is not just to a location and building, but more importantly, we are moving forward 
in our mission with God that he has given to our church. To love God, love people, and serve the world. We do this in obedience to him. Not our will, but his will be done. And we obey out of trust, self-denial, and ultimately out of love. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be obedient to your commands. Forgive us when we go our own way. Yet you love us so much that you let us decide for ourselves. Give us the strength and wisdom to choose correctly. And grace and mercy when we don't. And I pray this in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen.